0: We're so appreciative that you're in the house of the Lord today, and and, uh, we want to continue. Last Sunday, we started a series uh, entitled The Seven Dimensions of a Spirit-Filled Believer, and uh, we covered the Word of God, the Bible. The Bible is one of the dimensions of a spirit-filled believer that we are engaged with, we embrace, and uh, we don't just talk about the Bible, we just don't own a Bible, and it sits on the shelf. We actually get into the Bible, we actually read it. And uh, in fact, today, uh, someone came in the front door and uh, just held up their Bible and said, I finished my one-year Bible today. So uh, we are uh, making some progress there, and uh, I tell you what, that's just really, really encouraging to me when people, you know, let me know that uh, they're engaged reading their Bible, and and, uh, again, we we do not dictate how long it takes for you to read your Bible. Now, if it takes you two years or three or whatever, that's fine, Uh, but just be in your Bible, and uh, you know, don't let it collect dust on the shelf. Hold it in your hands, open it, and uh, read it. But uh, today, we're talking about the second dimension of a Spirit-filled disciple. And uh, I'm going to start in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And uh, this is a great promise of Jesus for every believer, okay? There's no expiration date on this uh, promise here. And, And it reads this, But you, that means us, okay? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what is that power for? We can ask the question right there. Well, Jesus answers it in the same sentence. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For this reason, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's literally something we are continuing to fulfill today. Ashley Hamilton, uh, there in Senegal, is a case in point. And, uh, you know, uh, to send one person, it just takes a tremendous amount of prayer support, financial support, and and, uh, teams that, you know, can help... Uh, on the field and we are engaged in that and we are fulfilling this verse and not only in Senegal but right here in the community in which we live. And, uh, and it all begins with the uh, experience of being filled with the Spirit. And that's part of the title of this series that we're preaching here uh, is that we're talking about the seven dimensions of a Spirit-filled Disciple. Now, what is a spirit-filled disciple? Um, well, if you continue reading through Acts, and, it, and right away you get into chapter 2 and verse 4, it talks about the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and baptized 120 disciples that were gathered in an upper room, and uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They all began to speak in tongues, and that was the advent of the church. Now, That was what we call Pentecost Sunday, and uh, that uh, is uh, an event that launched the church, and you and I are, if you know Christ as your Savior and Lord, are descendants of that very happening, and uh, because of the fulfillment of the promise that you shall receive power to be witnesses to me, they witnessed in all of those places that Jesus names, and even to the end of the earth. They witnessed to someone who accepted Christ, who witnessed to someone who accepted Christ. They witnessed to someone who accepted Christ all the way down through history to you and I sitting here today. You and I sitting here in this room at this time is a result of the Spirit being given on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And that's, that is what we are here. Now, um, of all the revivals in history, especially modern history, Uh, the most powerful revival happened on the day of Pentecost uh, when the Holy Spirit was given and every disciple, the 120 gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost were filled with the Holy Spirit. The evidence of that was the fact they began to speak in other tongues and it's unmistakable evidence for that experience that we have in Christ Jesus and on down through history. Now, other people will tell you differently, but it is not true that tongues speaking died out somewhere in history. And and that's not true. We have evidence all the way through history that uh, that experience continued. Uh, But around 1905, 1905, just uh, the beginning of the previous century, uh, there was a revival that began in Azusa, California, and uh, it was just in a humble mission. It was a, actually a, a building that had been uh, abandoned at one time, and, and, but it was available, and uh, they began to, to uh, seek the Lord. And, and the Holy Spirit uh, filled uh, hundreds of maybe thousands of people that came from all over the globe to the Azusa Street mission. And, and for over four years, day and night, several times a day, I might add, it's uh, you know, three or four services a day and every evening they would have services non stop for four plus years. That revival continued and it touched not only America, but it has traveled around the world. You know, it's still a phenomenon. Just the and, and I, I say this is a testimony to the fulfillment of what Jesus uh, prophesied there in Acts 1-8 that we read this morning. You shall receive power to be witnesses because that experience propelled the uh, the, the largest revival in modern times that you and I live in uh, uh, around the world. And uh, the, the fastest growing and largest churches of any country outside America, let me say this, are all Pentecostal, okay? Now, even if they have other roots, you know, it's like, if they're not a traditional Pentecostal denomination, they might be Methodist, might be Presbyterian, they might even be Baptist. And, uh, and, and uh, those uh, churches all around the world are, are experiencing the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, in this day. Um, I don't know if you've ever wondered uh, what the largest church in the world by attendance. I'm not talking about the building. I'm just talking about attendance, the largest church in the world. Uh, Well, it's located in Seoul, Korea. It's a full gospel church. This is hard to believe, Um, but they have over 850,000 people who belong to that church. And guess what? They are Pentecostal. (laughs) They are Pentecostal. And, uh, you know, the church building the church sanctuary only holds uh, about 20,000 people what a what a small building right <laughs> it holds 20,000 people but but uh, they have multiple services a day and and uh, bus after bus after bus after bus they they had to redesign the whole highway around that church because Um, they can't get all the people in and and, uh, they have to park other places, buses, bus them in on Sundays. And and, uh, the rule is that you can only go to Mother Church, uh, you know, the downtown, you know, full gospel church. You can only go to church once a month, okay? Because otherwise you're taking up too much room for somebody else who needs to come. How do you get 850,000 people in church? I don't know. Um, they've had prayer meetings in Seoul, Korea, and you know, some of the largest churches in the world, one of the largest Presbyterian churches in the world, Seoul, Korea. And uh, they are Pentecostal as well. And uh, I've seen with my own eyes uh, uh, a prayer meeting they had in uh, Seoul, Korea, where one million people had gathered to pray. And, uh, and that's the kind of thing that's going on around the world. And, uh, you know, the great churches of not only Korea, but South America, Argentina, Chile, uh, Brazil, are all Pentecostal. Uh, if, if you hear of, the, of a fastest growing church somewhere in the world, I, I'll, I'll guarantee you that it's probably Pentecostal. And, uh, you know, all over the planet, these things are happening. The fastest-growing churches in places uh, like the 1040 window. I don't know if you're familiar with that that term, the 1040 window. Uh, that is the uh, region of the world that uh, kind of falls from North Africa into uh, Asia, and uh, you know from you know the beginning of, of uh, Europe and and uh, North Africa into the Middle East. It's called the 1040 window. Uh, and uh, I think it's a 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees longitude. Uh, That box is the least evangelized uh, region of the earth, okay? So the people that live in that area are the fewest that know Christ as their Savior and Lord. Very few Christian churches in some of those areas. Uh, Iran, uh, North Africa, Libya, um the you know Saudi Arabia, all of those places, Iraq are very difficult for Christians because of the persecution there but let me let me tell you what one of the fastest growing churches in the world right now is in a place you 'll never believe is in Iran okay and it 's largely led by women and it is Pentecostal uh, and in spite of the persecution, in spite of all of the things that they face and, and sometimes it 's to the point of death threats and and uh, violence, uh, it is one of the fastest-growing churches in the world right now, and it is Pentecostal. Um, you know what is it about this Pentecost that uh, has taken the globe uh, the way it has in the last you know little over 100 years? We've seen more evangelism take place in the last 100 years than the rest of time put together. And more people know Christ now than at any time in history. You know, uh, I think that, you know, we can look at this sort of evidence, and there's an observable difference in people, and in turn, churches that live in this experience of Pentecost, where we are spirit filled, where we have this encounter, this experience of knowing Christ and uh, His Holy Spirit in a personal, Powerful way. It changes us on the inside. And uh, there is a dynamic and a difference that is felt, seen, and heard by others. Now, of course, there are those who would deny that uh, what I'm telling you is true, that there is a separate experience from salvation that's known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we, biblically, now you know, that's what we always appeal to, right, is the Bible. Uh, biblically, if you observe what's going on in Scripture, you see that the evidence of being baptized in the Spirit is uh, speaking with other tongues. It's one of the nine gifts of the Spirit it's listed uh, there in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And, and so it is something that is biblical, and it makes a profound difference in the lives of people who experience that uh, spirit baptism but there are cessationists and deniers of pentecost and yet they have no answer to this phenomenon that is uh, sweeping around the world and uh, you know one of the things that uh, they would have to admit is your new testament okay the bible that we very much you know that is our authority that is what keeps us on track that's what guides us that's how god speaks to us the Bible was written, every, every book of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, until Revelation was written by a spirit-baptized believer, okay? How do we know that? Because all the writers of scripture were present on the day of Pentecost. And it says, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to do so. And so your whole New Testament, all 27 books of the New Testament are written by Pentecostal believers. And so we have strong (laughs) biblical evidence uh, for this gift. So what does it mean to be a Spirit-filled disciple? Well, Beyond speaking in tongues. And let me let me just say this. Speaking in tongues, let's, let's just get on with that. Um, uh, it's just a fact. It just is part of the Spirit-filled experience to be able to speak with other tongues. And, and that's just the evidence. It doesn't start there. It's not like, oh, I spoke in tongues, and now I just go back to my regular life. No, it's not a box we check off. It is a way of life. It's the way that we live, and it empowers us to be fearless, to be witnesses of christ and that's really what it's all about you know evidence um i could go on a long rabbit trail about this but uh you know when people are baptized in water okay we have two baptisms right we have baptism in water we have spirit baptism let me just ask you the question where is the evidence of let me just say the first evidence the the immediate evidence of being baptized in water anybody have a clue okay you're wet right, okay, that is the first evidence of being baptized in water, absolutely, you know, if you're dry as a and say, I was just baptized in water, and say, well, you don't have the evidence of being baptized in water, which is being wet, right, and, uh, and so as, you know, spirit baptism, there is an initial evidence of that, and how do we know we've been spirit baptized, it's like, well, I guess so, or somebody told me so, or um, any of those kinds of things that are not solid, but when you speak in tongues, there is no other explanation that you have encountered the Holy Spirit in a personal way. So what does it mean to live the life of a Spirit-filled disciple? It means living a life the way that Jesus spoke of, living an abundant life, a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, the ability to witness Jesus to the world around us, living life with spiritual awareness, living in really two realms simultaneously we live in the spiritual realm and we live in in the natural realm and and we navigate the two we see things that happen in the natural realm in a spiritual way we understand that now last sunday we talked about you know the the spirit-filled disciple uh is in love with scripture and uh, it helps us develop a biblical world view And uh, what does that mean? It's that we interpret the natural world around us in spiritual terms. Okay, and that begins with creation. God created all of this, Um, and uh, and it and it begins from there. And so all the natural world is interpreted in the spiritual realm, and uh, and the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, gives us. Uh, a great capacity to have that spiritual awareness that we get to interpret what's happening around us. You know, you see all the changes that are going on in the world around us. Uh, we, we see them, it seems like there's a new one announced every day on the news or somewhere uh, in our uh, sphere of influence. And, uh, and the spirit-filled believer doesn't just take that as natural information, that's spiritual information. And uh, when, when, it's, uh, when it's good, we rejoice with that and we embrace that. But the Holy Spirit will also help us filter out those things that are not good. And uh, we can pray, we can, we can war in the Spirit against things that are counterproductive to life and health and, and spiritual vitality. You know, I, I want New Life Assembly God to be a truly Pentecostal church. There's life in a church that, that seeks to acknowledge and engage the Holy Spirit and is open to his moving and his agenda when people gather. And, and that's what we intend to do. Um, so let's re-examine what it means to be spirit-filled in our own lives and, and as a church. So number one is this, a spirit-filled disciple, uh, number one, is in love with Jesus, there is no replacement for Jesus. Uh, somebody asked me more than once, Pastor, how can you tell you know, some religious organization is, is a cult or not? And two things immediately. Number one is this, what do they do with Jesus? <laughs> do they deny Jesus completely? Do they say, oh, he's not, he's not like the Jesus that you are familiar with, he's different in some way. Uh, that is a red flag. That is like number one sign that you're dealing with somebody of occultic sort of persuasion and worldview. Uh, the second sign is: What do they do with Scripture? Do they deny the Bible? Do they deny Scripture? Or do they say, "Well, that's good so far as it goes, but here's another Scripture for you that's even better." If they, if they change Jesus or deny Jesus in some way, or they change scripture or deny scripture in some way, you are dealing with a cult. Fair and simple, you don't have to go any further than that. Um, So a spirit-filled disciple is in love with Jesus as revealed in the Bible. Uh, Jesus to the Pentecostal spirit-filled believer is a constant friend. He's not just that guy that we talk about when we come to church. He is an everyday part of the spirit-filled disciple's life. He's somebody that we talk to, he's somebody that we pray with, He is somebody that, that uh, we consult when we don't know what to do. He's a present factor in every day, he's, he is uh, part of our daily experience in life, and uh, Jesus is the most important person to a true Pentecostal, more important than even ourselves, and that's something that, that I think we have to monitor. All the time is is how is our love for Jesus? Do we do we just kind of do that on Sunday? Is that just something we talk about uh, then, or is it part of our everyday life? In the uh, opening chapters of the book of Revelation, uh, the the Spirit speaks to the seven churches of Asia, and one of the churches there, uh, I think, illustrates the very point I want to make here, is the church of Ephesus. Now, the church of Ephesus. Uh, had some accolades here. They were of good character. They had good priorities. But they were in danger of losing its place among the churches of God. It had lost its first love. The Spirit calls them out and he says, I have this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And what is the Spirit referring to? Their love of Christ. Their love of Jesus. Uh, Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5 says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Now, it's interesting that that a moral, grounded church that is not rebuked for excess or sin or double standards, yet it is in danger of losing its place. Why? Because of their loss of their love for Christ is putting them in this danger. So for the church of America I believe this is, you know, something that we have to watch out for. We have so many other things, you know, you know because of the the traditional way that we have lived, you know, we hear all the time, you know, we are a country of laws. Well really the 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 basis of the law that we have in America is is related to scripture. I'm not saying that we have laws, you know, of bible verses or anything like that, but the principles and the understanding that come out of the scriptures are really the basis of our law and our way of life, and so that has served us well. Now we see winds of change here, and uh, you know that future is in doubt if we if we don't uh, continue to pray. Um, but you know it is it is easy to live functionally in America. And enjoy some of the benefits of the foundation, which you know have been our traditional source of strength through the years, uh, without knowing Christ. And and so it really feels like you know I can live a Christian life uh, without really trying. You know, it uh, I can you know nothing seems to change whether I go to church and or whether I don't go to church, and you know life is basically okay. But but here's here's the situation when we when we don't when we aren't in love with Jesus, no longer his priorities are our priorities they begin to change and we and we ever so slightly begin to to run off the rails uh within our lives and uh, we fall in love and are distracted by other things uh you know ourselves entertainment uh whatever people you know uh don't realize this is happening by and large. You know? uh, they intend well, and they mean to get back to you know, their relationship with Christ, but, but there's so much to distract us. We'll tell you what, the Spirit-filled disciple, the Pentecostal believer, is all about Jesus. And uh, Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who sends the Holy Spirit. It, Jesus is the one that we're serving. You know, when we see a testimony like Ashley Hamilton Uh, You know, and and talking about, you know, she's learning the culture and learning to know these people. You know, she's not there just to serve those people. She is there serving Jesus. (laughs) What what would cause a a young person um, just out of high school to uh, leave, you know, the familiar and the family support and all of those things, you know, close-knit relationships to go to a place like Senegal, Africa, there's only one thing, and that's the priority of Jesus. Uh, we'll put you in places that you never saw yourself perhaps in before. So we, uh, as, as Christians and spirit-filled believers, we fall in love with Jesus. Now, um, I've, I've just gotten to my first point that I'm making today, and I see that we're, you know it's 10 o'clock, we're kind of running short on time here. Um, but I want you today to, uh, we're just going to wrap this up a little, well, early on my message, but, you know, on time today, I guess. Um, (laughs) uh, But I want you to just uh, re-examine, you know, our commitment to Christ. Am I living the life of a Spirit-filled believer? Have I ever experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have I ever prayed, Lord, whatever all this is all about, if it, if it brings me closer to you, if it, if, if it makes me love Jesus more, if it makes me open my word and, and begin to engage the word of God more, then I want that. I want that experience in my life. I want Jesus to, to be an active part of every day. I want to walk with the Holy Spirit and have that conversation with him each and every day of my life. And, and uh, that is our privilege uh, to live in that uh, experience and in that realm. You know, and we are, we are part worldwide of, of Pentecostal believers all over the globe. And some that are serving the Lord in places that are dangerous to themselves, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to know Jesus at that level. It's worth it for us, for them to... Uh, even be praying for us. Can you imagine living in a a land where, you know, the government and the culture persecutes Christians and know that they're praying for you here in safe America? You know, we came to church today without any threat, without any fear. Uh, It was even optional for us, you know, whether we want to go. And yet here we are. And you know what? There are Christian, spirit-filled, Pentecostal believers praying for us Today, even in their persecuted circumstance, you know, and how can we not rise to the occasion and live the spirit-filled life that Jesus has promised us? And um, I wanna, I wanna just invite you today to. I think posture sometimes is is a good thing, and uh, if you just are open to the baptism of the holy spirit i want you to just posture yourself just maybe hold your hands open today that's just a physical sign of what's happening in our heart there's nothing magic about this just a way to posture ourselves before the lord and say jesus as we hold our hands open today lord i pray that that would reflect what's going on in our heart Jesus, we love you. We don't want to leave that love behind. We don't want to be distracted by other things. We don't want, Lord, the easiness of the life that we live in America to cause us to be weak or distracted or that it would take us away from our relationship with you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, these hands are open for you today. Lord, a posture just demonstrates that we're open. Would you come into our lives? Would you baptize us in the Spirit? Would you initiate a deeper walk with Jesus and a deeper love for the Word of God in our lives? Lord, would that lack of fear in our heart to be witnesses as Jesus prophesied that we would be witnesses literally all over the world. Lord, that we'd be part of that. And Lord, we're not alone. We join a huge number of people that are growing daily. Lord, in this quest that others might know you as their Savior, Lord. So Father, As we open our hands today, fill us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, let the evidence be beyond whatever, speaking in tongues. Lord, let the evidence go beyond how we live our lives and the priorities. Lord, change us on the inside of how we respond and we react. and Lord, how you make us bold when we were once fearful. Lord, we want to live the abundant life. We want to live everything that Jesus promised us. And the pathway and the gateway goes through you, Holy Spirit. And so today we invite you in and just say, come, come. Fill us, baptize us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.